Welcome to Profitable Powerhouse Properties with the AHI Group. I'm Jonathan Cook. And I'm Brian Jenkins. Welcome to our show. Another great episode, man. We're going to dive into some great stuff today. Yeah, we are. We, we, we dove in a second ago. We're going to re-dive. <laughs> <laughs> Come on back up there and dive right back in. Technology. Oh, Let them buy by it, right? I just, backstory. We, we just recorded and by recorded. I mean, we didn't record about 10 minutes of audio. It was great. It was spirited. We had some good information, which we'll get back into. And hopefully, I, I said some stupid stuff, so we're, we're like pre-editing. Yeah, it's uh, a yeah. practice run. It's a practice run. Let's get back. Let's, let's start over, Brian. So, Since we're coming out of basketball season, we're scrimmaging. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about the scopes of work, Brian. We, we, we talked in the last episode that was just you and I about buying your property, getting a property that, that you want to own and rent and get into the shape that you want it to be in and get back on the market and make money with it. So we, we talked about acquiring property. That was the last one that just you and I were together. And we had Jen between us and, and now Belief. So Jen, Jen and uh, Deb, they yep. they were in the last episode. So now it's you and me. We're going to talk about what what to do with this property that you just bought. How do we? How do I get that one percent? How do I get my? Who knows what seven hundred fifty dollars a month out of your seventy five thousand dollars property? That's a good. I think that might be something close to what we were talking about. Yeah. Okay. How do we, how do we get to our one percent, Brian? You bought a. Well, it's I think. Going right back to the example, we literally just got back into the office after being out this morning, meeting with a general contractor and, and setting a, a, a scope. You know, he referred to it as a package. So we, we kind of tweaked a little bit for this particular market mm-hmm. because he's adjusting from one market into the next. And they're distinctly different marketplaces, oh, yeah. drawing distinctly different type of, uh, of tenants and applicants. So, sure. so that's where we'll start and uh, dive into it. And I think about 10 minutes in, we were into kind of three different models. Yeah. Uh, so we'll, we'll eventually get back there. And I think one thing I, I would like to start from the beginning with this, it's a good thing that we, it's a good thing that we practice because I, I want to get this in the beginning. When you um, are looking at the, the markets that you're renting in or that you're buying properties in, it's a good thing to know about prior to, especially if you're from out of state, is knowing which markets are going to handle which packages. So if you buy in an area, and they might all be C, C classification of properties, because, I mean, just from a local standpoint, I think Midfield and Fairfield technically, in some cases, can be considered C, C-class properties. In some cases. And, and East Lake also, you know, from a local standpoint, can also be considered C-class properties. But those are two completely distinctly different. Yeah, C that's class where you get into your C pluses, your C's, and your C minuses. Yeah, and I think it's important for your contractor, whoever you have doing work, letting them know what the difference between the two is. Because a lot of contractors are not into the market; they don't care about the market. It's not what they do day to day. They they work on what can they do at the cheapest price point or the, the most value to the owner. Right. How, how can I get? And we've seen contractors on both ends of that spectrum. So we've seen the ones that. Uh, are looking for the cheapest price point, lowest turn cost versus somebody that comes in and just makes a diamond out of the property and yeah. makes it the best that it can possibly be from the get go and setting that expectation, that scope of work. So communication is key. And do you think there's ever a time where it's not necessarily uh, the best best practice to go in and from the standpoint of like, I'm going to make this the best property in the neighborhood, I'm going to put a diamond over here in this lump of coal or, you know, just about it. I mean, it, I think my question is, do you think there's, there's a, there is a place for doing your kind of C class, low C class? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's like your cash flow. I think it's where, cash flow where the neighborhood is in transition. Mm-hmm. It's kind of what we looked at today is this neighborhood's well into transition. Mm-hmm. I mean, after we left that property, you go down the industry, we turn around a cul-de-sac. Literally, once we got into the cul-de-sac, mm-hmm. there were like nine houses 
both sides of the street, the cul-de-sac houses, everything had been redone. Oh, okay. it looked great. And they were there. Uh, yeah, and kind of where we were on the street, it was I don't know what would you say fifty fifty mix kind of. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know if it was really 50-50, because yeah. I know some of those other houses, they're already tenanted. Right. So, they at this particular point, you can't see how nice they are from the outside. On the inside, though, those... Right. The one kind of across yeah, the street. Yeah, just from the exterior house. appearance. I, you know, I put it at 50-50 or 60-40. Pro- uh, probably closer being, to 60-40 yeah, there. Yeah. Um, and then there's some other streets that kind of shot off that. This is important about letting your local feet on the ground, having them mm-hmm. know the knowledge that they need to. They need to make sure that... You find somebody that's knowledgeable about an area, yeah. so that you've got all right. This area right here, you know, up the street. Yeah, we were talking about we were talking about market analysis, and then looking. You need know, to take that same street. You know what? Based on the end of the street, yeah. what the street is going to become and can become, and kind of forecast out and set your your rent rates so they're effective and yeah. they're driving upward and not stabilizing and driving downward. So, and I think something that you had said in the last one, in episode three, you talked about it's good to have. In an area where some of the some of the homes are occupied by the people that own owner occupied houses, yeah. that that's a good thing for rent. It's a good thing for a market for it to climb up, especially in a traditionally C class area or a traditionally rental area. Yeah. Once you start getting owner occupants in the area, then it, it boosts the value of everything because there are already people that are already taken care of it. It's their house; they bought it, they want it. Well, when you drive down that street and you look at the houses and they're well maintained, and we talked about it earlier. In another episode where they've got flowers and they've got ornamental things in the flower beds. And yeah. I mean, there's pride and ownership and yeah. you see that it stands out. So it's a back to our Memphis story of stay, stay here versus live here. So, <laughs> so um, you want to live here, yeah. not to stay here. So I want to, I don't remember where we got to before we realized that we weren't recording. <laughs> uh, I think we were talking about the packages and how yeah. um, general contractors will create a, a package product. What, what does that generally mean? When you, when you have a contractor that says, I've got a package for this. What, what goes into a package? If you're looking at a, a $30,000 property and you've got a contract, oh, i got a $15,000 package. What, what do you think that's – what does that normally do? Right, well, we, we typically see that when it comes to networks of people or investors that are buying multiple homes and they plan to buy multiple homes for a period of time, right? Okay. So they want a consistent product across the board. The variation comes when – back to our original discussion – when you're buying properties across different, different neighborhoods and communities and – an example, and that's kind of where we left off, I think, when we were about 10 minutes in, was just saying that you could take a you take communities that are traditionally D, C minus D, mm-hmm. and you have one scope of work for those because those are, you know, your focus may be on attracting government subsidized housing, so it's a Section 8. Okay. And then the other, the other example would be uh, attracting open market renters, kind of working class, that sort of thing, but you're not Section 8. You might have a mix. So you might have one applicant that's Section 8. You might have two others that are not Section 8 on okay. the same property. So so that mix. And then, you know, kind of what we looked at today, you want uh, this up-and-coming neighborhood that's, uh, you know, the rehab community has embraced it and done a great job with it. The community's level's coming up to a great, solid C, C+. Plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you're getting, because it's proximity to downtown, and you're getting young professional renters. Sure. And with that... You know, we all know that those young professional renters want them truly move in ready. Yeah, they do. Yep. And, and they pay a, attention to the details. And this is kind of what out of the news has been talking about. Us millennials, because I'm, I'm a millennial. No, I'm not. I, I am. <laughs> <laughs> we, you know, I, I read stories all the time about how me, my my generation of folks is, and I'm barely a millennial. I was, I was born in 85. 
I know that's going to make a lot of people be like, oh my gosh, I'm going to listen to this guy. But still. You can listen to him. For those people, you can listen to it for me because I am I was born a little bit uh, further back. Sure, sure. Brian, Brian's got more experience on me, just just slightly. Um, but my generation is, you know, we're ruining everything. We don't buy anything anymore. But you know what we are? We're real good renters. Yeah. We're real good tenants, especially. Good consumers. We're, yeah. We're, we're great consumers. We'll buy into an area. I mean, I can just tell you, I mean, I have three kids. I'm not really in that scope. I'm, I'm much more, I own a house, live in a house, stay, that's, that's my place. I got yep. kids there. I got to worry about school systems. I got to worry about this, that, the other thing. A lot of people my age in their early 30s, late 20s, if they don't have kids, if they're not necessarily married, I mean, and that's not a thing that you can discriminate against, fair housing. Obviously just not. throwing that out there. But I'm just saying, from the practicality standpoint, we want to live near, I mean, I get the appeal of living, you know, I might not want to live there in five years. I might want to move to Seattle. If I'm young and single or young and together with someone, but I don't have kids, I'm, I'm not worried about a school system. I might want to live in a place for five years because I work and I make plenty of money. I might not want to buy because what if, what if my screenplay gets picked up, Brian? What if I get to move to Hollywood? What if, <laughs> what if, what if this, that, or the other thing? I want to move to move to Nashville because of something. What if I want to move to Florida? Or, but then you have the same same mentality of people moving in from outside of metropolitan areas into you know markets like Birmingham. Sure, and so that's that's a tenant that you you want. That's a good right. tenant. That, that person's still going to take care of that house because they're throwing. They're going to live there. They're going to live there. Yeah. They're going to have. They're going to have their friends over, and so they want it to look nice. They want it to have nice curb appeal. Yeah. Yeah. They're paying a thousand dollars a month, maybe more than that, depending. I mean, but they, they still want people come and see. Oh, come look at my cool little house. It's so it's so hip and trendy. Yeah. It's got history. It's, it's got, got character. Oh, it's got history. It was it was built in nineteen forty some odd something. Look, this survived the war. That wasn't any war in Alabama. Come on, man. But <laughs> it's it's got all Not these for a neat, long time, right? Yeah. But it's got all these neat little touches and feels. So that's that's another. Part of that's another that's a whole other product, another another scope of work. And one of the points that I was making today for that tenant, something that I think is important to add into that scope is something, just one little something that sets that property apart. One little eye-catching, neat thing, like we were talking about the uh, the wall, putting the flooring up on that little yeah, separator on the bar, in the kitchen, on the bar. Smart, yeah. yeah, that, that little tie-in, it's, it's just eye-catching. It's something that, oh, that's... Yeah, you won't yeah. see it anywhere else in oh, any other... That, that looks, else that's cool. Yeah. I gotta... You know, that kind of thing is just something to add into your different scopes of rehab on all these properties. Right. So I think, let's talk about... What gives it the it factor? We'll call it that. Yeah. The, the and factor. I think that is when I talk about the levels of market, or the the top of market, the mid-market, right. the, the bottom of market. Every, every rental market that you're looking at, whether it's a purely D-class area, or even an A-class area. Like if you're looking at $3,000 a month rentals, $4,000 a month rentals, or $400 a month rentals, there's a market that surrounds it, and there is the bottom of the market for it and the top of the market for it. Right, and I, and I love that uh, that whole setup and that process of identifying with the investor on the front end. Say, hey, you know, if you're looking at this house, to what level do you want to rehab it? Do you want it to be? Absolutely. And that's a front-end discussion. That's before we mm-hmm. start diving into what the investor, I mean, the part of the process of education for mm-hmm. us and education for the investor, just understanding what they want. Do they want a consistent product? Sure. Do they want to diversify a little bit? If they want to diversify, then we can toggle that switch from one, two, or three positions. Absolutely. Say we want top of market rents, we want average rents, or we want to drop it down and we want to get somebody in We want to have the cheapest A-class rent that That's exists. Right. What, right. what is that? Yeah. That happens. That's a place. It does. And I think it's important to identify that. And I think it's important to relay that to the contractor. I agree. And, and if, you're, if you're thinking about diversifying into those 
three different brackets within a classification of properties, I think it's important you develop three distinctly different scopes of work. I agree. In that, you know, we can go back to the contractor saying, hey, this is the package I developed. Mm-hmm. Well, we could have package A, B, and C, or one, two, three, whatever yeah. you want to do. But we can we can do that. We can customize it. And there is an advantage to it. But if you're, you know, a lot of our investors like the same product level throughout. And, you know, you may be focused on one area of town, mm-hmm. and that's easy to keep the same sure. consistent product. If you're going across different areas of town, you may want to fluctuate a little bit. Okay. Let's talk about... In the let's talk about your 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 levels. Let's let's, okay. let's worry about a, a lower. Let's look, let's look at the bottom of the market. What is what are some necessary rehab scopes that you want to look at? What is what is some stuff that you want to get? I mean, if, if somebody's bringing me a property, I think the the one that I really want to key in here for for me when when someone brings me a property and we had it three or four times last week, people saying, "Hey, you know, I was looking at you on the internet. I saw this, that, the other. I've decided." that you are going to be my property manager. Right. They, they call me, they send me an email, hey, I'm going with you. Send me the paperwork. Send me the paperwork now. I've already got my property ready. It's yours. Hey, you want this business? I'm going to go ahead and sign with you. Well. <laughs> you have to make sure we want the business first. <laughs> that, yeah. And just just from a, a standpoint of, of AHI, we have a standard, right. and I'm not just going to take everything. I'm not going to go take D-class properties, Brian. It's just not, it doesn't make sense for us. Does it make sense for the 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 work that we put into a product, the work that we put into to finding tenants? That doesn't make any sense for me. right. Because under the best practices, it's it's even it's difficult if you buy a property. It's got a lot of potential maintenance issues. Mm-hmm. It's hard to make that profitable for that owner. Absolutely. So you know we don't want to be the the bearer of bad news per se. And I was a few times last week, you but were. I think I think. But we don't just turn them away. We turn them away with a referral. Absolutely. And we know who within our marketplaces that we can refer to. But one of the parts that I was having the most trouble with is is windows. Yeah. That's that's one thing that I, I, I'll i go into a property and if the windows are inoperable, right. I'm just going to go ahead and tell my that's company, no go. I'm not going to take it. <laughs> it, it. It can be, it can look gorgeous. It can look top of market from all other standpoints. But if those windows are inoperable, if they don't work the way they're supposed to work, I'm not going to take that, pro- that property. Some people believe, hey, the, the understanding is, hey, they've been painted shut for years. We don't need to put a window lock on that window because <laughs> it's not going to open anyways. So just educating and, and educating the contractors, the investors, you know, it's our it's our job to mitigate risk and to reduce those for, for owners. So. So didn't we just talk to some guys? We did. About we just, oh my gosh, we did. Yeah, that was a great episode too, by the way. But today, talking to the contractors, like, hey, this is why these things have to function. Heaven forbid somebody gets injured or worse. Yeah. I mean, the first thing they're going to do is go back where the smoke detectors present. Mm-hmm. Did they work? And then the next question is, were the windows yeah. operable? And yeah. If they weren't, then guess what? They're coming back after you, Mr. Homeowner, and me, Mr. The property Manager. So because we marketed it for rent, we found a tenant and put the tenant in the here and that's said, right. "Hey, it's a health and safety issue." It's a health and safety issue. Yeah, and I just went looking. Now you could throw a chair through it or whatever, sure. but it's still they need to be operable. Absolutely. Because in times of panic, not everybody thinks logically. Sure. They're just trying to get out, and they're going to feel trapped. So you have to address those things. I don't know. A lot of people might be listening uh, because it was a question I've never dealt with. A property that had to have bars on the windows until recently. Right. Um, I went into one earlier this morning, mm-hmm. and all of the bedrooms, all the bars on the windows in the bedrooms were inside, except well, there was every window or every bedroom had a window that the bars were inside were easily openable. Right. They had a lock facing inside. Yeah, safety so issue. Safety issue mm-hmm. that they could open, and then all those windows worked. I was really concerned when that because. 
he, this guy, good guy, wants me to take his property. And I was like, oh, I don't know. Walked in because I was like, that's going to be the first thing. I know you have to replace all these windows because they look bad from the outside. Right. But I walked in like, oh, no, all these windows you work. You know, in cer- certain markets, Easy. certain areas of town, those, those aren't apt to. Um, they're beneficial, but they do have to function and, and open correctly, and they should be checked. Yeah. Should be checked regularly. Absolutely. Another thing that you know I've noticed is, and I think a good example is the one all right, eleven four K. I'm just going to throw the address out there. Doors and like exterior doors with deadbolts. Yes, or lack thereof. Or <laughs> lack thereof, exactly. <laughs> uh, we had a property over in. A, a good rental market. It's a, it's a fine rental market. It's a C-class area. Right. Uh, the house, we did a rehab on it before the client of ours actually finished, gotten all the way through closing. They, you know, they already won the bid. They already got a contract. Before that all, before we got in there and were able to do a rehab at a scope of rehab, one of the first things that happened was somebody broke in there and stole the copper. Right. And they were able, able to break into it because the basement just had... Yeah, just a thumb lock. Just a thumb lock. So they were able to get in easily. I mean, I could the only positive is they didn't tear anything up tremendous, you know, trying to get in. No yeah, property damage. They didn't, they didn't have to break any glass. Just, they just had to take a credit card or something and right. get in there. And, oh, look, I'm in now. Let me get all the copper. So that, that happened. And that's another point that, you know, I haven't always made that a point when I look at a property to take in. I haven't always been like, if it doesn't have deadbolts, I'm not taking it. But I've started Nobody, saying that a lot more. <laughs> yeah, but it's identify it to the owner and say, yeah. hey, this is a recommendation we have for Definitely. this reason. And you know, unfortunately, we have some experience with that exactly. because this happens. So. And, and it's definitely not like a when, – when, when we say we have standards, it is very internalized standards. Yeah, there's have. reasons why we have standards. Yeah, and, it, and a lot of them is just like color. Color is a good example of this. It's mm-hmm. just because of stuff that we've seen. We've, we've experienced in our marketplace this is what is required to get X, Y, or Z. Right. To, to get mid-market, you get top of market, you can get away with this, you can get away with that. This is what you need. These are some bare minimums. This is some stuff that we won't take it if it's not done. Right. One of the – Today, one of the things that kind of made me kind of laugh, and I feel almost silly saying this, but telling a contractor, we're, we're going to have to paint this house again. It has to be a different color yeah, on the inside. After they had painted it. After so. they had painted it. And it wasn't a hideous color. The problem was it's a, what I refer to as a has-been color. So it yeah, just, explain you know, that a little bit. Well, and it was in style five years ago. That was the color was of it? choice. Uh, yeah, it was up okay. five years ago. We actually used to use it on our, our variation of it. On a lot of our uh, AB property portfolio that we own internally, because it's it, it's crisp, it's clean, it's it's nice, but it's out of it's out of date now. It's and and that I don't know I don't know how many contractors even know that's not their their job isn't to know. Well, it's like the contractor kept referring. Hey, I'm gonna need your guys help with color selection because that's not my forte. Yeah. I have to go to my wife each time and say, hey, what would you do? <laughs> and then you run the risk of if the wife has influence and it's like, well, you should paint the dining room this color and the kitchen this color. And the, you know, you don't want to get into that. Either. Yeah. So you want a consistent product throughout. You don't want individual room colors sure. or different rooms. So. No, I think like now in, in our market, I think the color, the, I don't know if that's really just a happening color. I don't know when that transition happened, but, but I've noticed that it just, just, it changed over to this kind of grayish slate and then white trim. Yeah, variations of gray. Variations of yeah. gray with like a with white, white trim. Classic white trim. And, and that would, you can see the difference in a rehab. If I go into a rehab and it's the old tan. Yeah, it lightens up the rooms. I mean, that's what everybody's expectation has become. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I do think it, you know, we hit upon something earlier today when we were talking to the contractor, it equals fewer days on market. That's what it comes down to. But, uh, I mean, yeah, it definitely does. But it, it might actually be the difference in $10, $15 price range. That's right. Maybe even 20 because realistically, when I was looking at that market, all of the ones that were at the top of the market, every single one of them, were a gray tone. Okay. 
And I think that's something that your local individual agent or whoever, whoever is determining your partner, your partner that, yeah. that's getting what your home needs to be in that market, they need to identify these things. What is something on what level of market rent you're looking for? What are, what are some very key identifying... Does every home in the top of the market, do they all have hardwood floors? Well, it drives so many components of wall color. Sure. Because you know, the house we're in today, we're talking about installation of LVP. And it's like, okay, if you're going from browns to grays, then mm-hmm. we definitely need to make a, a big adjustment there. And then what, what does that mean for the countertops? Sure. And, you know, all that stuff ties together. So yeah. as it should, it but should. that's, that's kind of what we'll address today is that, that finished product yeah. should flow. It should be a, yeah. you know, what I like to call black canvas. And that's the idea with going with those neutrals is that the tenant can envision mm-hmm. their own life in that house. Yeah, and neutrals doesn't have to just be tan. No, no, no. There's neutral in every shade. But back to live here versus stay here. Stay here. Yeah. So that's that's the mentality you want to set. That's that's ultimately important. And yeah, absolutely. And that that is what I see. That's pride in ownership. It is. But pride as a renter. And I think what you get with the pride of that's where your levels of market go. Yes. Uh, When I look at the bottom of a market, and I can see some. If I when I start to notice kind of a same similar thing going on in the bottom of the market. It's like, okay, well, let's steer away from these or let's focus on what, what part of the market do I need? You know, there's necessities. That's your bottom of the market thing is really just necessities. It's, is, is it livable? Yes, it is. All right. It, it, in this market, as long as it's livable, it'll reach this. And I really, I very rarely focus on the bottom of the market other than when I'm using it as a comparison right. for where my investor wants me to be. Right. When, when somebody calls me and says, hey, I'm looking for a house that's going to make X 1%, 1% in this realm. Like I want to spend $100,000, so I want my 1% at $100,000, right? That's $1,000. Hmm. So where can I get $1,000 rent, but also not have to pay $100,000 to start? Where can I spend fifty and do some rehab to get it to where it's worth $100,000? Where, where can I build a turnkey? Or where can post I, rehab value. Yeah, yeah, post rehab value, I want it to be at 1%, you know, this nice area. What what is my factors in that? Now, when I'm looking at that, and that's where it's going to be exciting to talk to Tom too. Yeah, that's where. It's, God, yeah, it is. So, so my standpoint when I'm looking at that, my first reaction is, okay, what kind of rehab are you willing to do? And a lot of investors, what I've noticed, anyways, so oh, I'm, I'm, I can do whatever I need to. I'll do whatever kind of rehab I need to to get it. Th- I mean, if it works, if the numbers work, if the numbers work. Right. I'll do whatever. But again, it's important to get those numbers on the front end. Exactly. So you need to be budgeting on the front end. Sure. Don't just go out and buy the property and then decide, oh, let me get some bids on that. And you have no idea going into it. And you think, oh, well, I can get this done for whatever number's in your mind. And I think you need your contractor. When you pick a contractor, think this is where you go into their packages and look at. Well, well, let's let's dive into that a little deeper because I've I've seen the disaster side of that. That's what I'll call a friendly disaster. And what I mean by that is somebody's, somebody's purchased. And then from there, it's micromanaging the contractors, driving price points down to bare minimums, doing the bare minimum amount of work. Okay. okay. So, and what is that going to do? Uh, in the long run? What's that going to do? It's, it's going to tie into the end piece sure. where we're talking about like setting expectations, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're going to save a penny, here, save a penny here, here, but ultimately, where it becomes a disaster situation is you move a tenant in, mm-hmm. and then stuff that you know you didn't test thoroughly might mean. The dishwasher. It's been sitting in, say you didn't replace it to save a, a nickel, mm-hmm. uh, save a little bit more than that, but save a little money, you don't replace the dishwasher. It's been in there for a few years, but it's been sitting vacant. Yeah. Uh, all of a sudden, the tenant starts washing dishes, and then you've got dry rotted hoses and leaks, and that's just one example. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and then we've had 
settling cracks that weren't addressed. All that's just cosmetic. This is stick, stick some mud on it, sand it out, paint it, and not take care of the foundation issue to sure. save some dollars. But ultimately, what that happens, what happens when the, in that situation, this tenant moves in, they they're experiencing an unhappy uh, situation. So they're upset because they've got all these maintenance issues popping up left and right. Mm-hmm. And they've moved in. They've looked at the property. They like the way it looked. Mm-hmm. But now that they're in it, they're experiencing a lot of difficulty. Yeah. Right? It's, it's, they've noticed that they, they've had time to sit around and sit on the couch and look at the ceiling and go, well, you know. Yeah. And the problem is once they identify a couple things. Oh, it's everything. Then it's everything. I've seen every crack in this house yeah, now. So I then you get a lot, a lot of work orders. Yeah. And you deal with those appropriately and deal with what has to be dealt with. But mm-hmm. back to setting expectations. Okay. So you're setting your expectations pretty darn low. At you that particular point, right? And that's that's your... Where, is, where in the market are you setting yourself? Right. And then back to earlier episodes to where, you know, we're trying to retain your tenants for you long term because mm-hmm. we all know that turn cost, cutting your profit, mm-hmm. days on market, cutting your profit, uh, all those things. So the longer you can keep a tenant intact, the more profit yep. you can experience. So we want to have a good relationship with the tenant with the tenant and with the owner. Obviously, the owner's our client. Uh, but we want the tenant to have a good tenancy yep. so that they want to renew the lease. And they're open to rent increases because they feel like they've got a quality home. I was just telling a new client of ours the same thing. They, they He had a house that you know he, he had lived in before. He got married and moved out of it. I was explaining to him the same, a very similar concept, just like, well, we want to make sure that everything is up to a certain standard, that we have our standard. We want to make sure it's this way. That way, when a tenant comes in, they know what they they know what's expected of them, and that they they know that the person that lived in here beforehand, the person that owns this house, cared for it in some way. And we've already said like you don't need to get emotionally invested right. in a property that you're trying to make money off of, but you do need to care. You need to care about your quality. It needs to be whatever work you've done to the house. It needs to be up to a certain standard. Yeah, and treat it like your business. Treat it like a business. And so then, when your tenants are your customers, right? So if you care about your your business, like when you look at. Uh, a Chick Fil A versus um, another fast food chain. The, the, just it blows my mind. Just that I'll, I'll pay the extra few dollars because they are friendly. Right. They care about this, the product. They care about well. Back the to it, they have a consistent product. They do have a consistent product. That's good. Yeah. So it's it's the same thing with a, a rental property. Is you you set the standard of I've cared about this house well enough to put it. I've, I've spent the money to put it in this top of the market area so that you, when you live in it, instead of stay in it. You will keep this property that I have presented to you yeah, at this level or at above. At this level or above, right? And that's when I'm looking at a property to sell to an investor or to help an investor build a portfolio. I'm looking basically every time that I'm looking, it's because that's our standard. Is I'm looking at top of market. I look at every market that we are into. I go, what is the top of the market for this little township? What is the top of the market for this city? What is the top of the market for this neighborhood? That's what I'm looking at. So when someone calls me and says, where can I get this, that, or the other thing, I'm looking at top of the market. I think the problem is, is when I give them a top of the market number, it will rent for X. Sometimes the general contractor doesn't quite know that, and they will give me product that's in the middle of the market, right. or at the bottom of the market, comparatively. And I would like you to explain how that communication can go at the beginning. How, how do you make sure that that happens at the beginning? How do you make sure that you get a, a general contractor aware that this is what is expected beforehand. Because I think that happens, oh, I can, uh, the owner might say, hey, contractor, I, I can get this property and make this much a month in this area as long as what? Like, where, how does that, do, do you immediately well, say, hey, talk to my property manager. Yeah, that's determining the, this, the scope of work. And uh, I think what we did today is the exact model that you need to do with mm-hmm. your general contractor, is to walk through the property, uh, or walk through a property that he's recently done, mm-hmm. and just 
kind of pick it apart. And, you know, like this morning we went into this meeting and uh, it wasn't to pick the contractor apart. It was just to identify in order for us to get top of market rents. This is what we need to see. Mm -hmm. Right. So these are the finishes. These, this is the attention to detail that we need to look for. This is the it factor that needs to be added so that this property will stand out when marketed against another property down the street. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in all my years, it, it, it comes back to, you know, we talk about location, location, location in real estate. Everybody's mm -hmm. heard that. But the other thing that applies is people form their opinions the moment they see the property, whether it's pulling up to the property or seeing it online. Mm -hmm. They've already formed an opinion when they first see those external photos or they drive up to the property. Immediately, they're beginning to assess it. So just like the property we talked about today, you know, good looking house, great bones. But there was, um, you know siding and we had a little bit of variations of the same shade of paint okay. um, or color. I should say different shades of the same color. Well, it was probably like touched up. Touched up, exactly. And, you know, we left. It's tough to get that paint right. But then sun bleached because it was vinyl. Right. So sun right. can bleach some of that too. Right. And ideally, you know, I, I'm not sure why they touched up vinyl, um, what was on it to start with, but I think we left with the understanding that we were going to paint the exterior so that it was consistent, giving them a consistent product again. And then, uh, you know, just a couple things that I noticed immediately off off the bat with this particular property is the street parking was fine, but then the, the driveway parking you know, kind of rutted out a little bit. Yeah. I mean, rutted, rutted is probably a strong word, but just uh, it had evidence of gravel being yeah. strong word too. <laughs> uh, gravel evidence of gravel having been there at some point, but it was really kind of washed from years of, of rain, erosion, that sort of thing. Yeah, uh, you know, just a simple load of gravel, dressing that up, cleaning it up, whether you put timbers down or frame it in, or just sure. leave it kind of natural. Um, but there was, uh, I think, one rosebush. No other beds. Asymmetrically sitting yeah. on the corner. Yeah. Nothing, in the <laughs> Nothing anywhere else. And we talked about just a simple addition of a, a simple bed with some flowers to pop some collar into it and how that would stand out on that particular street. Because, mm -hmm. you know, even though stuff was had been rehabbed, no one's spending the money on, on vegetation or flowers yeah. or anything. That. That's not something... That is terribly expensive to do, no, no. and it's something that if, if you that's, own an, property, that's an it factor. Yeah, it is an it factor. Yeah. If you happen to live in the city that you're owning property in, that's something that you can do. I mean, that's like one of the like most. That's an economical approach. It's an economical add, that's approach. a value add right off the bat. It is, but it's also one of like the highest uh, hobbies in like the country. Everybody yeah. loves to garden. Yeah. How hard is it to garden, Ryan? It's not that hard. Yeah. Well, there was there was a stat. This is way back. I'll probably give my age away, but. I think uh, National Association of Realtors put it out, and they said that approximation of your exterior uh, lawn and vegetation, flowers, et cetera, could add or deduct 15% of value to your property. Oh, I believe that's uh, still yeah, pretty yeah, close. I, I think. It's, uh, another thing is like the actual maintaining of the yard. Yeah. I think if that was done in that same property, if that yard is maintained well, even when it's vacant, yeah. which is something that I think a lot of our investors and owners should, should think about, whether that's the management company that you use or you paying for someone to come over there and do it, yeah, it's, it's a necessity, especially with marketing going on. Sure. It's got to be done. It's got to um, look nice. Yeah, it's it's going to cost you a renter. That's absolutely Somebody pulls up and up to it, and the first thing they go, man, right when I get this house, I'm going to have to cut this grass. Yeah. Got this grass. Uh, the thing is, high. you can do everything else right. You pull up, and you've got knee-high grass. You know, the city may issue a violation, but <laughs> the bigger thing is, I mean, all that hard work you've done to set that expectation level is going to be just chopped down immediately. First First thing to see when we get there. So, but, you know, the other thing was as we walked around the house, we had uh, aluminum clad fascia and vinyl, sure. which is great, lower lower maintenance, but there were some missing trim pieces, yeah. exposing some wood that needed to be tightened up a little bit. There had been evidence of a um, 
some glass replacement and the old glass was still on the ground and, you know, yeah. take the time, pick those things up. And, and back to your point, it's just make sure everything's nice and tidy on the exterior. I mean, that's where it all starts. Yeah. And I've even seen people over the years where they come to look at the property. First thing they do is do a complete external walk around. That's what I do every time. Yeah, that's what I do too. So most people will go straight in the front door. Sure. But, I mean, a lot of people, yeah. you're absolutely But eventually they're going to be working well, their way back inside. outside. That's right. I'm going to live inside, but I don't need to look at the outside. Yeah. yeah you yeah, look yeah. at the outside. They do. Hey guys, Brian and Jonathan here. Today we want to tell you about one of our preferred partners, Roofstock. So what if there was an investing platform that allowed you to collect passive income and generate average annualized returns of over 8% in markets across the U.S., not just the ones in your backyard? With Roofstock.com, you can buy, sell, and own investment properties the way the pros do it and start earning passive income right away. So don't wait. Reach out to them today and get started on Roofstock.com. So, and then, you know, as you get into the property, you know, we'll get into finishes, but, and I think we should talk about finishes today. What's, okay. um, what are good finish options and why they're good finish options more than just the appeal, functionality, durability of them. Mm-hmm. And then the fact that they're, you know, they're kind of mainstream right now. Yeah. You know, that's, that's what makes the, the property appealing. Well, let's talk about finishes, right? <laughs> when we talk about all of the finishes in a, in a house, we're not just talking about the painting and the trim. What, what, what are we talking about here? We're talking about light fixtures. We're talking about... Uh, yeah, we're talking about light fixtures, door hinges. Door hinges. Door knobs. Yeah, we saw it today. You know, they replaced doorknobs, but then they slapped the paint across the hinges. And, and that can, uh, other than the aesthetics of that, it can create some functionality issues if you're not careful. So, um, so Same thing with the kitchen cabinetry hinges. If you're changing out the knobs, change out the hinges. Bring it all together. And what is that doing? And how, what is your cost differential on that? I mean, how much does it cost to change out hinges if you're already doing the doors? Yeah, what do we... I mean, it, it's it's more than just the hinges. I mean, it's... What is that Electrical outlets, from the... making sure everything's consistent yeah. throughout the property. That's the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. You've got white outlets, make them white throughout the entire property. Think, same thing with switches and plate covers. If you're going with a satin nickel finish, make sure your doorknobs, your light fixtures, your cabinet pulls, all that stuff tie in together. Because yeah. if you mix, mix and match, it's individuality. It's not that clean canvas they're mm-hmm. envisioning. And it it really it, it cheapens your rehab. Yeah. And, and so but it, when you when you... Start with a cheap and rehab. Yeah. Like when when someone walks into a house, and I know we we probably you know kick this dead horse a lot, but but it's it bears being repeated. When you have a cheap rehab, how easy is that to notice? Well, how, to me, how much is your tenant immediately walk in and go? Yeah, I'm say obviously to us it, it sticks out because to me it, it speaks broken communication. Mm-hmm. So you didn't it signifies you didn't have a plan going into it. You were reacting room by room mm-hmm. and trying to address what you thought were the needs of the room. Yeah. So you don't have the vision of the entire product, you know, the product, the finished product and the process. So that's why I think it's important. That's why I think you educate your contractors. You walk, you know, if you're thinking about a property, we do this all the time. We meet the contractor at the property. Say, once we determine what the overall scope is from the get-go and we set that package per se, we go, we meet them. And I mean, how quick they're getting numbers back to us. What, two days? Yeah. That's so it's a quick, yeah, it's a quick process. What is, now, should you, if you're an investor and you're in Seattle, if you're in, it doesn't matter where. My point is, if you're not where the rehab or the, the property is, if you're you're out of state, you can't get there to walk the property with the rehab, with the rehab contractor right. every time you buy a new property. You know, we, we've explained the importance of having a property manager in there. Right. But, but I think one of the things that I've seen recently is a lot of people letting the general con- that they know a general contractor in the area. They found a general contractor before they found a property manager. Right. And they said, you create the scope of work. What is the danger that you have in letting your contractor 
create that scope of work for you? Does, does how often do your contractors know what a top of market, middle market, bottom market? Yeah, they, how they, how they often don't. Do they know the market. They don't. They're you know they're relying. I've been working in them for twenty years. Yeah, we and we've heard this before. Is they they rely on a past client experience mm -hmm. in which they establish a package or a scope of work. Mm -hmm. And the problem with that is that they were taking the vision of their prior client and just carbon copying it to your your model. Yeah. And it's not necessarily you. It's no. not individualized to you whatsoever. If you're if you are a large investor, if you have if you are, are like a investment trust, you've got hundreds of houses, really it's fine if you make a thousand, five thousand dollars on property. If you buy five hundred houses, right. five thousand dollars of property, that's fine. I mean, you've made plenty of return there. But if you're a new investor and you're hoping, all right, I've got the idea in my and head. Five thousand dollars is make or break. You yeah. Know. So you, you go in there, and you, you have the idea. I'm gonna make ten, twenty, and then but you've gotten, you've got a contractor that's been working with these huge companies, so they've got this different kind of package where they don't need to make as much money. Right. But that's what they've been working with. I mean, that, there's some. But you don't need. Right yeah, you don't need the. General contractor, it's not, I'm not speaking against them, but you don't have to have the general contractor that's done a ton of rehabs with other clients. You can think the, the guy we were speaking with earlier, you know, he used to, he's always been an entrepreneur, but he was doing something completely different yeah. and had been around construction and doing construction, but decided to start rehabbing houses and he's been successful at it. And I really like him too. Yeah, he, too. he has a very good head on his shoulders. He understands what he's doing. And I think after speaking with him, it really is just a communication error. It right. is not a lack of quality whatsoever. No, no. He has the ability to do whatever quality we want. He can build Taj Mahal for Pete's sake. Yeah. He's, he's got the experience. He can do it. He's got the know-how. It well, is very going back to you. He needs to be set into what, what is the idea for this area. Yeah, what are the priorities? Yeah, he didn't. He, he, he doesn't know the areas. I mean, he might know the areas to drive around it. Right. But he doesn't know what the difference between... I mean, the color, uh, the, the color wheel aspect of it is such a good example. Like you said, I don't know the colors. I mean, yeah. color you got to speak your color and tell me, which we're happy to do that. Sure. So, but the other piece of it is, it's kind of like the, you know, the bathroom in which we looked at. They remodeled the bathroom. They left the old fan, mm -hmm. uh, which paint was peeling on it and all that. So it just kind of devalues, yeah. you know, the work that they did in the bathroom. And, but I think a lot of that came from the last investor that he was working with had the, the difference between that everything that they wanted was clearly like, well, just find us the most economical option right. of everything. Right. And, and again, that may not be your standard. It might not be. applying that as Absolutely. your standard. So. And I know that sounds great for everyone. Well, I all, anytime that I'm getting a re anytime that I'm paying for something, I want the most economical option. Yeah. Okay. But most economical option isn't always going to get you the most value. Well, yeah. It's higher, higher, higher demand tenants, slower pay, more problematic in most cases. You know, that, that stuff all goes hand in hand. If you set a high expectation and the screening process is good, then you can expect a higher quality of tenant, mm -hmm. a, a better about, performing tenant. Okay. Can we talk about performance of tenants? Um, yeah. I th that, well, I think we need to, I think we need to stay focused for the moment. I think we need to focus on the finishes, okay. right? Finish that up. Yeah, yeah. And then we'll good transition. So. Good point. I jumped. Yeah. No, no, that's okay. I get distracted. I know. I know. <laughs> no, it's my job to reel you back in every occasion. So, <laughs> so we talked about, uh, in a particular house, an example we had is the, the contractor went in. And initially, we thought, okay, he put carpet in all the rooms, mm -hmm. and which, from a rental home perspective, uh, the trend in our markets tend to be, you know, you're going with something other than carpet in your living space, and in the bedroom areas, uh, your carpet, you're leaving those carpet. Okay. So, you know, your common areas, so to speak, your living room, your hallways, I your feel like when you kitchen, say something baths, other than carpet... That's leaving a really well. What is? And I want to dive into that. Okay. So on the way over there, I think we both had an opinion that, hey, this is an older house in area that's known for hardwood floors. Mm -hmm. And man, why did you cover those hardwood floors up? Yeah. And then we go to the basement. 
Yeah, we did. And then we understood we, why, we found that reason why they, they were covered up. And because there have been some prior wood rot issues and sure. there have been some patching and that sort of thing, that's that's fine. And that it doesn't was, mean that that house is in no, bad shape. It was structurally sound. Yeah. Everything had been done. You just... Yeah, there's no, you just, there's no, old, no, no original no, hardwoods left, no. left to play with. And another product that we have uh, we've talked about on, on prior episodes, I believe. I'm pretty sure we did talk about the Bulletproof LVP. I believe we did. Uh, luxury vinyl plank. In the last one. Yeah. And um, great product. And I, I, we did because I was listening to yeah. talk about dropping a pan from waste time. Right and I, I, I'm not 100% sure if everyone still, even after that episode, understands. It's not rolled vinyl. No. It's like it's, it's planks. planks. Yes, it's it's planks. like hardwood. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think most people, when they walk into something that's Got that in there? Yeah. Oh, these, these are hardwoods. Highly, because nice they, they are. Look, they, they look like hardwoods. Yes, they do. They, they have all of the appeal of hardwoods plus the durability, everything for them. Thick, high metal vinyl, mm-hmm. and uh, not like the rolled stuff that tears and, and this stuff. Yeah. It's literally it's not linoleum. It is water, highly water resistant. Not just water resistant, but I would say highly water resistant. We've had dishwashers <laughs> and such leak on them. Uh, in you know the. The risk you have with that with hardwood flooring is that hardwoods cup and lift and, you know, you've got obvious water damage. So yeah. in this case scenario with LVP, you don't. So, and what we talked about on this particular house was, hey, let's, let's take, you know, this look at the cost of removing the carpet. I know it was just put in, yeah. but you could reuse it in bedroom on the next project or sure. not. And then going back with a consistent LVP product through the living space, mm-hmm. the dining room, the kitchen, the bathroom, and the hallway. Yeah. And, and that's going to tie, I think that's going to tie that, all that common space and yeah. really tie that in. It'll yeah, then we, we talked about great. the it factor, yeah. uh, which was from an example of a condo that I had down in uh, Pamela City in which we took flooring mm-hmm. and we put on the, the what I call the kick area where you would set bar stools mm-hmm. at, a, at a breakfast bar and wrap it in flooring, in which we have some of that in our office. It looks mm-hmm. absolutely breathtaking because it's an accent piece yeah. and it pulls stuff together. And that was going to be pulling in another room into the kitchen mm-hmm. and just accenting it. And I guarantee you, you wouldn't see that on any other house no, not in not that either. community. So because no, they all have those old, not those old original hardwoods, yeah. and nobody's taking that original hardwood. That's right. That. Until somebody sees that Until example, and then sees they that. duplicate it. Absolutely. So. And that's that's kind of that little extra effort to make yourself the top of the market. That's what you right. are looking for. Is at least in this area, what, what can you do to set yourself apart? And sometimes, even on a you know, lower scoped area mm-hmm. where the market isn't quite the same. You don't have to have all those bells and whistles and finishes. But like, still, I think maybe it's just my opinion because of my age and the generation that I'm with. I think all of those, the appeal for any tenant, I think in all cases, if you can find one little ad yeah. to do one little extra thing that really sets that house apart, that one little touch, that one little flare, that's always going to make you go before something else of essentially equal quality, equal rehab, equal market. Yeah. If you have that one little thing, that, and that's going to help. Yeah. We talked about, guys, we talked about uh, the light fixtures, putting medallions under light fixtures just to give them a classier look. It's like an upgrade. It's yeah. really inexpensive. And then if you remove... Explain what that is. That's, I don't remember so it's like uh, most people will see them underneath ceiling fans, per sure. se, or something, just to really dress up maybe where you pulled a light fixture down. Mm-hmm. You've got a ring on your ceiling. You want to hide it underneath a, a cosmetic. They're, they're typically... Um, Plastic. Most yeah. of them are plastic, and that's why so they're so like expensive. Cool design. Cool design or paintable, if you yeah. wanted to. Uh, but most people have white ceilings. They leave them white. Yeah. They just add a classy look, and you can mount. You know, you can mount your light fixture right mm-hmm. to it. it. It stays tacked to the ceiling. It just gives it a classy look. We have one of those in, in one of our other rehabs when we went into the rehab. Oh yeah, the first thing you noticed, right? Yeah. I was like, oh man, that, that was so a big good. one too. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was huge, yeah. and it matched the trim on the walls yeah. too. It was just, it was, it was very nice. And those kind of little custom pieces. Are very inexpensive in most cases, yeah. and it adds 
even if it doesn't add any actual cash just, to cash value. Yeah, it just shows an attention to detail. It does. And that's going to make that tenant go, oh, that's really cool. Yeah. And they'll, they'll, they'll leave. I, and it's been a while since I've shown to tenants or, or to potential buyers, but, but my experience with those, those kind of little touches in a house, when you leave and you're going and looking at other stuff, the, the person that has been looking at, remember that house that had that, that oh, thing? Yeah. That's your ooze and all. Yeah. That's the, it's remember, you remember the one with the, that, that stuff around the lights, like a medallion thing? Yeah. Yeah, that, oh, What's that another like feature we, we really like we're starting to see in the in the rehab in in our market has been the uh, no-strings blinds. Oh, man. Where you just push them and lower them, you know, just with a push or a pull and they stay in place. Um, just lift them oh, up. Oh, yeah. So cool. That, that, you don't have to worry about the choking hazards on the cords anymore, you know, all and, that crazy stuff. And, yeah, I've got kids. Yeah. That's important. Don't want to choke the kids and the dog. But yeah, can but I tell you the thing that bothered me the most about those old cords? Do you know how many times I yanked blinds off oh, the yeah. wall oh, because right of those cords? <laughs> oh, it's in there securing. you got to pull it and just yank the whole thing down and you're, oh. Yeah. I did that once showing a house, right? That was fun. Oh, oh let me get you some more light in here. Yank the whole oh, I've done it too because somebody didn't clip the uh, bracket close yeah. where the where the line slid in. It's like, oh man, that was embarrassing. Oh, man. So, <laughs> but that was, you know, that was a nice feature. And then the, you know, the example. But I think today, they also need to be on everyone. Yeah, everyone, everyone does. If you're doing them, do them on everyone. Yeah. Is there ever a time that you can think of where blinds wouldn't be? I think it depends on the location of the house. Mm-hmm. Some, you know, some somebody might want some sort of general living area that faces maybe a wooded area. Mm-hmm. Maybe they want that open. Maybe the kitchen, those giant windows in that kitchen. You want to kitchen. come back and, you might not want come back and grab a cup of coffee in the morning, just relax and watch the sure. birds on the bird feeders sure. or whatever the case okay. is. So, But for the most part, everybody likes their privacy. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all know we're, we're kind of a... Even though we've got everything out there on social media and everything, everybody likes their living space. You spoke of it earlier. Go into my my domain and, yeah. and close it off to everybody. Fortunately, we're not out talking to neighbors and no. having barbecues and sitting on the porch together. And so you don't want your windows just wide open. That's right. That's, that's right. Point. So, but that's you know that another simple thing we talked about was you know if you're buying an old house and you've got old door jams, mm-hmm. do the repairs on them. Um, yes. Yeah, because we saw some watched up. I mean, they've been busted multiple times over and painted over. That's one of the things that I've seen a lot in, in these older homes is they have been, they, they've had rehabs done to them 10, 15, 20 years right. ago. And so they're keeping the same door jams because as, as our general contractor was saying, these are custom door jams. I mean, like these doors. That was back when the two by four was really a, a two, two inch by four, four inch. So, so. They, they were all made like yeah. handmade custom. So it's not like you're replacing yeah, them. Yeah, and he said replacement jams wouldn't even fit. No, I didn't because close. of the because of that. Actually. And when he when he said that, I, I didn't, I'd never even thought about it until then. And yeah. I was like, that's a good point. Nothing would really yeah. fit that. But but back to the hinges. I mean, we talked about hinges have been painted thirty times. Yeah, and it was yeah, they're antique hinges. Sure. They've been around for years and years and years, which is great. But you pull them off, pop on the new hinges. It's yeah. such a minimal expense. I would love to know is is there? Do you think there is a market that? You can do. I'm curious. Is it is it would it be sometimes effective to keep some of the antique, customized antique pieces? But but I don't know if you can rehabilitate or rehab or uh, repurpose an, an, repurpose yeah. some some antique pieces. Like I'm, I'm going to keep these old doorknobs that maybe the doorknobs are from the 40s or something. Can you keep those? Is it ever a time where you're like yeah, let's keep them, just polish well, them? Funny, the funny thing is, uh, is that too much? Is it more more trouble than it's worth? Yeah, I was thinking about Ralph and his house, uh, and actually, I think they moved these doorknobs over, so they had antique, this crystal antique doorknobs. Yeah. Oh, I've seen and, some. And they had them installed the right at, at his house, and then uh, built a new house. And I think his wife brought them, you know, took them off, put regular ones back on, and brought them to the new house and had them installed because <laughs> uh, like it's really a cool thing. thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I think you'd be hard pressed, especially if you're outside your market, uh, you know, asking your contractor, "Hey, do you mind?" Sure. Bagging think, all these up, clean them up, and ship them to me. Yeah. <laughs> do you think that is something that more 
if you were going to do something like that, that would need to be something more heavily based on like a retail resale kind of deal. If you're doing a retail flip, yeah. then if it's got the old antiques, then yeah, keep it. But for a yeah, rental, if you're sticking to historic period, yeah, sure. you know, you're, you're trying to stay in that's period. A, and that's a different scope. I think that's right. where I w- would like to get this conversation. There's definitely a scope different between your uh, C-class, just get, right. get get a tune in here. Well, There is the middle range is what we like, are kind of talking about here is this, this middle range and then a retail resale kind right. of rehab. And, we're, and really what we're talking about, the house we looked at earlier, is really taking it from a C, a low C, not a C minus, but a low C and bringing it up to a C plus, yeah. these little tweaks and just less, you know, fewer days on market, yeah. more more appeal to the potential renter. And one of the things, if you remember, kitchen. So the contractor had not replaced the door, uh, the drawer tracks. Yeah. And they were kind of flopping around. A little bit wonky. Yeah, a little wonky. And then once you open the cabinets, mm-hmm. they had painted everything. Mm-hmm. But it was still the old, uh, it really wasn't tongue and groove. It was just board against board against board. It was like, it was like one buys or something. Right. But, but like, and it's like, hey, rip all that out and look at this cabinet because a couple of them had been done and put new plywood in there. And then, you know, just when somebody comes in, people care about where they store their food, their pots and pans, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, um, just making sure all that's just nice and clean. You don't want to do everything else right on the cabinet. And it's like, oh, hey, there's a bunch of water damage under here and it's rotted out. <laughs> yeah. So just pay attention to all your details. And then once we, you know, we went downstairs, yeah. if you remember, when we had an open basement space, which a lot of these old homes, their laundries are in the basement. Mm-hmm. So people are going to be accessing them on a regular basis. I mean, yeah, it's not like down there, yeah, I mean, a lot. A lot. Yeah. And uh, so just tidying all that up, just creating clean space environment. And does that mean making it sterile? No, it just means cleaning it up. But a lot of times, just up all the loose, everything white. Yeah. Just get, get some heels on it or something. Get all the loose wiring tacked up and, you know, just remove anything that doesn't need to be down there. And what do we see? We saw mason jar Man, lids that. screwed into the, the floor joist. And I know what it was as soon as I saw it. I'm like, yeah. somebody had mason jars with like bolts and yeah, screwed on it. You know, bolts and Which, nuts and washers and that's nails. A, that's the neat thing for Pinterest and, and right. Etsy. Yeah. Sure. Oh, yeah. Great. I, I mean, and Maybe it, we got to introduce that and bring it back. It brought. <laughs> It brought to my mind, like, oh, this would be neat if, we, you know, you hung up those old incandescent kind of lights on, like, the, yeah. the strength. That, yeah, that was nice. a great idea. You, you had that idea, and then we learned. Uh, that it doesn't it, make it, any sense. Really. <laughs> well, just not in that area. You, yeah. you like the idea, I think. Uh, I think I think once we talked about going and, and painting everything uh, white. Yeah, that really fixes it. And uh, just his idea of coming back with fluorescence, because everybody likes, you know, if you're not afraid, you're. 100% correct yeah, about that. And when we're talking on, uh, well, and I wouldn't even go fluorescence, I'd go LED. Sure. And I think that's where we ended. But, you know, focused on your light fixtures back upstairs or whatever. We talked about upgrading your lights. LEDs, where it's at now. Oh I mean, everybody gosh. loves LEDs. Plus, from a well, they landlord a perspective. Well, on sometimes, which I didn't realize. Well, uh, you know, the ones that I have, I've converted my home to LED. You know, my rentals convert to LED. I'm fluorescent. I've gotten, yeah. I've gotten to all fluorescent. I haven't made that switch to all LED yet. I've got a few that are LED. My but outside. My LEDs are instant. Right. Yeah, they've they've gotten that worked out. So it's like literally you get the switch. I put LEDs on my exterior of my house and they're instantaneous. Yeah. Where I had fluorescence in there before, they had to warm up a bit. But yeah. They got brighter as they got warmer, you know. But the, uh, the idea was go, you know, they're not any more expensive, really. Um, maybe just a tad, but nothing I noticeable. Be, I think that used to be, uh, I think that that's a. Uh, like a hindrance because if people that aren't doing that all the time, yeah. you hear LED and like you remember maybe four or five years ago, an LED was oh, $20 yeah, was crazy for one bulb. Yeah. Now they're not. Yeah, they're not. So they're, they're, they are regular. Like they're they're what fluorescence used to be. You yeah. know, five, well, we see, like six, uh, you know, they make all these LED inserts for these can lights. Mm-hmm. You know, you can replace them and they're so much brighter. And, and, lights, just, and with a lighter paint, you yeah. know, that's where we talk about, yeah. you know, your finishes and what, how that makes a difference. But, but yeah, just, uh, 
if we travel back down to the basement for a moment, the other thing that was really cool in this historic house, you know, mm-hmm. and I say historic house well, exactly because it was, it was built a long yeah. time ago, but the contractor's like, you know, the cool thing, he said, I don't know if you guys appreciated this or not. And I'm like, <laughs> we did. We noticed it when we first moved yeah. up. But it was all these like fist-sized rocks all mortared together and painted, and it was part of the foundation for the basement. Uh, on part of the house. And it was well done, actually. Really well done. It held up tremendously over the years. Over, I mean, at least 60, 70 uh, Probably years. 70 yeah. plus years, yeah. actually. And uh, and I would say that, uh, you know, he's like, yeah, he said, the cool thing is that when they built these houses, the rock that you're seeing was probably at the site where they excavated mm-hmm. for the basement and they had these rocks and they picked through, they cleaned them up and they, mm-hmm. they built with them. And uh, that was that was just really cool. That was yeah. like a cool moment for that me. Is, and, so, but that's also what that porch was made out of, too. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's so... Yeah, it was gorgeous. It, yeah, really it was a big porch. I was like jealous of the porch. I've got a small porch. Everybody has nice big decks, but nobody yeah. has those big front porches. Yeah. Oh, man, I love it. Like a front yeah. porch. That area is a very good front porch area. Oh, yeah. yeah. You look at that market. You drive up and down the streets, says front porches, man. Yeah, that was, oh. That's how it was back in the day, man. I love it. Talking to your neighbors and sharing a story or two on your front porch. Class I think that's, that's, that's part of that appeal for that area nowadays, I yeah. think. That that little front porch area, sit up there, have your coffee. Then you can get in that kind of area. I mean, every, all those roads are connected with sidewalks. Yeah. I think that's another thing to think about when you're looking in different areas is like, what is the appeal What's to, to your walkability? What is your walkability, walkability score? That is a good, that is a good indication for the kind of rehab or the kind of return you're going to get there or the kind of tenants you're going to get. Right. There. Oh man, that walkability is great. So and then we uh, we we talked about this particular property had some uh, had a very unique uh, tile countertop with some accent pieces. I wonder how old that was into because that was that's yeah. That's I don't think it was probably time. not obviously original, no. but it was an add on at some point. I um I, I would put it time wise probably old. back in the seventies. I was going to say yeah. the same thing. It was really really cool piece. They, you can see the wear on them from yeah. the pans. And yeah. So, but it drew it drew your eye the moment you walked in. That yeah. was like, wow, that's that's pretty cool. And that's another that's another money saver when you're looking in these properties. If it already has something that's kind of custom or different, or well, even this know. way, we talked about changing colors, and then we talked about what you could do with that existing tile. And the contractor actually had somebody that could uh, kind of refinish them, yeah. give them a darker finish, put in some like almost like metal flake, yeah. uh, make them look granite. That color wouldn't work with the color that they are now. Wouldn't work with a gray. Tile. That's right. That's but. Right. When he refinishes them, oh, it'll work great. Yeah, and we talked about accenting those accent pieces, mm-hmm. even when his guy comes in to refinish them. It um, takes an extra three days. Yeah, still one done. That's all right, but it, it but it uh, it maintains that special characteristic that yeah. it factor, and uh, I think that'll, that'll turn into a nice nice house after they get done. And I think that's one of the things that that I would like the listener and the homeowner to, to think about, even in these properties that, yeah, you don't want to tie up your emotions into it. And it's, you're not living in these houses, you're, you're renting them, but you also got to, you got to think about the person that is wanting to live in this house. You want them to enjoy it. You want them to be a good tenant. You want them to be happy. You want them to find something that, that makes them love the house that they are in. Right. And it might not be, you don't have to love the place that it is. You don't have to love everything about it, but you want someone to. No, but it's, you, you have to view it as a business. It's, it's strictly numbers and what mm-hmm. it can produce. And then, you know, you look at tenant retention as a way of stretching your profitability further out. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and how, having a higher profitability. And, and uh, to for do the that, property. I think the quality, that's yeah. that, setting that aspect of quality. But is, it's also important, you know, we talked about scopes of work and packages, if you will. Another reason that that is so vitally important is because you can keep your rehab time down and managed. So a lot of these cases, you can rehab those houses, you know, I would say 
comfortably most of our rehabs that we work on are 30 to 45 yeah, days max. Day yeah. max. And that's pretty much a max. And that's some, that's our contractor already has all the stuff. Right. And they've already, they're working on they've the got, scopes. They've got a hundred of these Pre predetermined scopes. Yeah, they've got a thousand. Yeah. Well, readily accessible. Sure. So my point. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's the, the point of it is trying to minimize that downtime. So immediately you can get it up on the market. You can, you can cut down your uh, vacancy days. Mm -hmm. So that offsets and you've got rental income starting to come in immediately. So, yeah. so that's, that's important, but and, that's, and the quality that's going to keep you off the market longer. Right. That's why you want that scope to match how you want it. Because if the scope isn't going to be the quality at the top of the market, then you have to think about what is the difference. You're going to have to change your, your rental rate. Right. You have to direct right. how, how quickly do you want it market or how quickly do you want to tend in there as soon as possible. Well, so no, if your scope of work equals mid, then your price range has to be That's going to be mid. Right. But you maybe know, look at those instead of eight hundred. Look at that, like you know, seven ninety five. There's that five dollar difference. Get you underneath the line. As important as you know, the initial communication with the contractor and walk through and determining what that scope is, I think it's just as important to go with on the final punch list. Determining what the final punch list is with the partner to go in, just like we saw today. There were brushes that walk all around the trim. There was paint on the window. There yeah. was, you know, just little nuances. And you go back and you itemize those and have the contractor come in and punch them mm -hmm. out. And then that just shows the attention to detail to the contractor. Sure. And if you do it on the first one, then the second one, he's going to have fewer of those mm -hmm. items. And the third and fewer yet. And the fourth. Yeah. And so, so, so those are important. So, and I think, so I think we've, you know, we've taken a deep dive into the rehab for, for, uh, buy and hold strategy. And, uh, and I think, you know, we, we talked about, and maybe we should talk about the, uh, probably just very briefly, the retail scope, how, okay. how it differentiates a little bit. I agree. And then that product, because we've had success with that model on A-class properties and B-class properties as well as C-class. But most of those are going to be focused, in my opinion, in that B and A classification market. Uh, and then you're looking at, okay, if I were buying a home to live in it, Mm -hmm. What finishes would attract me? Yeah. And typically, uh, what we find is a lot of the things are interchangeable. And when you change out those scopes, uh, you're, you're changing. For instance, you may have, I, I never recommend a smooth top, uh, range in a, in a rental. Correct. Because they get damaged and, and you're stuck. You know, mm -hmm. once they become damaged, you have to replace the top or, or the range itself. You can't, you can't get that yeah. stuff off. But just going with a coil top and, and that might be a differentiating piece between a, a rental and then a retail reseller. You may yeah. want to put the smooth top, the nicer finish, the mm -hmm. maybe the little higher quality appliance package in. Mm -hmm. Uh, stainless as opposed to your black. And yeah, or, or even brand. Sure. Like a Frigidaire versus a, you know, Whirlpool Elite or whatever, GE profile mm -hmm. package or something. And then the other thing would be probably your countertop finishes. Mm -hmm. You know, not doing a Formica or we talked about tiles, yeah, stained concrete. I think, a I think a tile is a good mid, mid kind of range. Be. It can be. But a lot of people are conscientious about germs and sure. retention and how difficult it is to clean, that sort of thing. Yeah. Sealing that grout. And that. Right. So from a re retail perspective, you know, going back with you're, granite or quartz much, or yeah, something. Yeah, you're pretty much stuck to those solid surface yeah. materials. Your, your quartz or granite, your, what is the other one? Uh, Corian? Uh, Corian. Yep. Corian, it's, it's yep. a neat, neat product, but it I is. don't quite understand what it's made out of. It's cool. <laughs> it's not natural. <laughs> it's not, but man, it looks good. Uh, but those are, I think those have become basically necessities in your, your A-grade market for right. sure. Right. Um, and I think when you're doing retail resale, I think 
depending on, and I think you should always ask your local uh, agent or whoever's your partner that's in the market to know what is, because you don't ever want to over-improve a property because it's just wasting money. Right. You right. can't you can't buy into a hundred thousand dollar market where nobody has granite countertops and expect your granite countertops to make it worth one hundred and fifty. It's not going to. No, it's not going to happen. You're just going to have the, the quickest sell for a hundred thousand dollars if you're reasonable. It'll just sell the first. Yeah. It's not going. You can't increase the market share just by doing pretty little things. But you want to make sure that it is. Um, but it's a it, it is a kind of back to our earlier discussion. It is the move in ready. Yeah. No, you know, in today's marketplace, people don't want to come in and improve. Yeah. The generational change, they want it ready. Okay. And they're busy with everything else in life. So they don't have time to do all those things. They don't have the knowledge to go out and hire mm-hmm. skilled laborers and contractors to come in and do it, nor do they, you know, they care to, quite honestly. Well, and I think you and I, well, I know I do. I take, I take, I don't take into consideration that everybody doesn't have the same uh, contacts in their brain, the, the same scope of imagination for what a thing can be right. as I do. Because I know my wife and I are currently looking for a new property for us to live in. And we'll look at things, and I, and I went and showed her a property recently that I thought was numbers-wise, Brian. It was amazing. It was beautiful. It was perfect. The numbers are great. And, I'm, and, and I, I, I showed my wife, and she was like, I would never live in this house, ever. What are you talking about? Like, You're no, living you here alone, everything. Talking. You take everything. You make it off. None of, this is, none of this is permanent. Everything is temporary. Take this down. Knock this wall down. Do this. You didn't, you didn't have a, a background image like the Property Brothers? Where, no, man. You know, they're in there, and they got this nice graphic going about knocking this wall out. Man. And, yeah. I'm going to get We need one of those. We need one of those software. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't think everybody quite has. Passing the vision. Yeah. I mean, and a lot, of our, a lot of our listeners, a lot of our investors might actually have that in their brain where they, they can see yeah. a finished product yeah. when they walk in. But your tenants don't always, and, and, and in the, your end product, if you're, you're uh, you know, going to retail, resale it, they might not always be able to have that vision. So you've well, you got to look at it from not everybody can see what you can well, see. That's, and that's the beauty of selecting the right contractor, too, because mm-hmm. we know some contractors that have vision. And you can tell immediately upon conversing with them that, hey, this guy, he knows what he's talking about. He's done a few of these. And he, uh, and you know, and a better, to me, the best contractor that you Are can find. Are we going to drop his name? No, I'm oh, just saying. No, I'm not. I'm not doing that. But, I, but I would say the, the best contractor that you can find is somebody that's done the A's and the B's yeah. and is working on your C-class purchase sure. because their vision is back toward the A's and B's yeah. and you're going to have a better quality product in the end. I've noticed the contractor we're talking about, the way he did a rental property was what... Like blew the doors off of it. When I was, I was showing yeah, that... For, I think a reasonable amount oh, he of money. Definitely did. Yeah. He definitely did. But he also has his own quality standards. Right. That, that helps. I was trying to explain to another contractor that was doing some work for us, like, this is the quality that we expect in a rental. And he's like, that is a retail product. I'm like, it's not. <laughs> yeah, it's not. You can do it. Not I, know, I know what numbers he had. I, I saw his bid on that. Right. So, no, this still works in the numbers. You just have to have that same mentality that he does. Right. And, yeah. He did some stuff extra just because he... That's just who he is. That's just who he is. Yeah. But, and he won't find that every day, I can assure you. Can we get him to do an ad? Can we do an ad for him? Uh, just, oh, man. I'd love to. So, it would be it's a very fun. narrow, narrow cast yeah. kind of a market. Hey, if you happen to be listening to our podcast and you really want something right here done, he's your man. Well, nice. So I think, uh, does that... You know, and I think we promised that we would wrap up on tying it all together with expectations. We flirted with that throughout the conversation. But the reality of it is we've always ran our property management firm based on our corporate housing model. And that has been a corporate level of rental property, per Mm -hmm. se, a standard. Yeah. Okay. And then having the finishes just 
we want our properties to be to where we can rent to a corporate client yeah. and know that they appreciate the product. Absolutely. And we have transferred that into our, our existing inventory that we manage and set that standard for the for the tenant that eventually moves in, that the property is well maintained and cared for by the owner and the management company. And if you damage it, you know, we're going to let you know about it. We're going to um, we're going to have some corrective actions that we built into our lease agreements and such and enforce that they get it fixed. Or if it's up on move out, we're going to deduct it from the security deposit and have the work done. So there's no surprises there. I no. mean, the expectation level is set on the front end, and I think that that's important. And I think it's something to say that we started out with almost entirely A grade, B grade problems. That's, that's all we started with. And so, Which we, same, I guess it's the same example with the contractor is. because we started high. Yeah. And I don't want to say we've come low, but we've come no. down to well, you we, know, we opened our doors to the C-class property market. We still expect the same right. quality from our tenants and from the properties, right? Because you can still have a high grade, or a high quality C class property. That's not diametrically opposed ideas. We see it because we've got them, right? We own, yeah, we have us, them. That's for us, it was more procedural. Yeah, you know, you had to make some adjustments to some procedures and policies, but still, you know, just again back to maximizing the profitability for the owner client, um, and how that directly ties. And we talked about. Early on, we were kind of, again, flirting around with it to say, you know, if you don't set the level of expectation, a tenant comes in and, and they they have those problems. They get that bad taste in their mouth. They, yeah. you know, they want out. They're, they're not going to want to rent your, your property any longer, um, depending on how the experience goes. But, you know, they're problematic. They're going to increase the number of work orders coming mm-hmm. in. So that decreases your profitability for those things we have to address. Yeah. Because um, it starts out one little thing, it does. It does. And, and they have this like. Oh, we try to combat that in our lease agreement. We make them responsible for certain things and dollar limits and that sort of thing. But at the end of the day, you're still, as a landlord, required to have your your systems within the household functioning properly, mm-hmm. and they have to buy it by law. So, so it does come back to those things, and it can also lead to longer days on market. Yeah. Uh, if you're again back to the two houses on the same street, if one of them is held to the higher standard and is a true blank canvas and the other one's got a lot of issues like you know we go back to what we saw is glass on the ground and you know a gutter down spout down or you know just the door that won't stay closed cabinet doors falling off those are those are going to get bypassed for the ones with the higher standard because yeah. everybody even expects if it's more. the same market that's even right. if you know they're on the same street right one's just nicer so that's how it all ties in and ultimately back to the tenant experience you if don't they, want a tenant that has to settle that's correct if they have a great experience, they have a good experience or a great experience, better yet. Um, those are going to turn into your long-term two, three renewals or more. And that's going to save you money in the long yeah. long run because it's not just I can get a little bit more rent out of these people or whatever. It's, it's when you have someone that's staying in there, the, the, how much does it cost to have a market or have a property set on market, right? I mean, what, I mean do we know? Well, like you, have carry, you might have carrying costs if you're financing. Sure. I mean, you've, obviously, if you've got a mortgage on it, you've got a mortgage payment. Um, and another thing we touched upon in our episode with uh, Birmingham Insurance Group, mm-hmm. a lot of insurance carriers actually have issues with properties being vacant to where there's no yeah. coverage during vacancy period. So Absolutely. let's say you have a theft or you know whatever, um, and you're not covered as an exclusion. So so it's important you keep your utilities. Your, you have to keep your yeah, utilities on yeah, first to market the thing. Yeah, so you've got expenses coming out uh, and the exposure that I just mentioned. So it's it's very important to keep them occupied. And then if you're doing something like maintaining the yard, yeah. For, while it's being marketed, yeah. if you're maintaining, that's another that's another week that you got to get that yard cut, or yeah. it's another week that you got to pay for this, that, or the other thing. Some random something to keep it maintained until someone gets in it. So yeah, so all those things, that shit all those things you, are whew. all those things are important. So and that's, get it done that's why that's why it's important to set the expectation high on the front end. So with that, I hope everybody's enjoyed this episode, and I uh, know I have. 
Jonathan, oh, any I, last thoughts or parting comments before we kick off? The um, we need a tagline. We do. <laughs> That's my parting comment. Uh, yeah, well, so we're working on that. We're, we want to have a tagline that actually signifies this is the end of the episode. Yeah, it signifies the end of the episode, but more importantly, it speaks to our audience, which is you. Absolutely. And, oh, uh, one more thing. I know we're getting to that, but uh, we have a pod- we have a podcast email address. Now. Yes, yes. That's new. Yeah, that is new. Um, it is going to be podcast at ahiproperties.com. Yep, and, and it comes straight to Jonathan and myself. Yep. And uh, any we, questions? Yeah. Points you need clarified, uh, further discussion. We'd love to hear from you guys. I, I I just recently had one that that luckily I knew the person that asked the question, so they just actually sent me a text. Okay, it's great. Great that we have that kind of relationship with with our listeners and and some of our you know owners. But on the uh, filter easy episode, they were they were asking about what do you do if you have a return vent that is fifteen foot foot in the air. Okay. And, and you have a tenant that's got to replace that, but hey, it's... And you don't want them on an extension ladder. And, on yeah. an extension ladder. So that's that's uh, the kind of... I actually used to have that in, okay. in my property. Do we uh, have a short answer for that that we can hit at the end yeah, of Yeah, there's, there, there's two options. Okay. Uh, the first, which is more costly, uh, although long, the short-term cost is higher, okay. which would be to relocate, if possible, re- mm-hmm. relocate the... Uh, the return air grid. intake, mm-hmm. yeah, the return grid to a point where it is accessible by your by your tenant, okay, and thereby making them responsible. The other answer is for you to provide the service to them. Okay, maybe you ship the filters there with Filter Easy, and then you dispatch somebody to go over and actually change out the and, air filter. And your, your property manager may be able to set that up. That's correct. For yeah. someone to do that. Yeah, yeah the reason you don't want your, you don't want your tenants up there doing no, that because what happens when they fall? There's a liability, and especially if they're adverse to that, and they yeah. say, "Hey, I don't like the fact that this is." so far up. Uh, we have the same stand on gutter clean. Yeah. Uh, anything. We don't want anybody up on the gutters, the roof, none of that. Uh, you're just opening yourself up to some big liability risk. This specific homeowner, my, my, my response was, let us do it. Yeah. <laughs> that was, that was my And a lot of times, I mean, because we, we talked about this, I think we talked about it with Andrew. Mm-hmm. We talked about relocating, and we talked about that sure. today at the house we were looking at. Yeah. Because it had this old floor furnace. Well, because it's far, right? <laughs> gr- grill. Yeah. I think, oh my gosh, it was like the three foot by four my, foot. It was the size of my four-year-old's <laughs> bed. It was so, huge. Yeah, it's like, can we uh, do something with that? Can we downsize that? Yeah, it was 20 by 20. This thing was like 48 by 36. Oh I mean, it was huge. huge. For no reason. Yeah, for absolutely no reason. And it just, you know, it was a takeaway. The moment you saw it, you're like, wow. What? Well, i got to reposition my furniture around this that's, big old thing. That's a four-foot square that I can't even walk on. I'm afraid to step on it. Uh, so that's the, uh, that's the short answers to the air filter question. But just, uh, as we said, just submit your questions. Yeah. Uh, if you want to have a further discussion on a point that we've thrown out. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Oh, yeah. Get some uh, listener feedback. Do, I, w- I would love to do a listener feedback episode that's just trying to answer. Yeah, and I still want to do one of, the, one of the things we're going to do, which we uh, do in the property management world, which is so much fun. Ooh. Once a year, we get together um, at our local Narcom chapter. And uh, so we'll have, you know, 100 property managers in attendance, and then we'll do something called Can of Crazy, um, <laughs> which would be at advantageous for our investor clients to hear, but it's just some of the crazier stories if we've had. If nobody gets any any useful facts out of it, it will be It's fun. entertaining. It is, man, it'll be Man, it's entertaining. Uh, but obviously, all those lessons, and uh, you know, we talked about NARPM a little bit, but the beauty of, of such an organization is that we can share those stories and not have to experience them ourselves, necessarily, uh, and learn, <laughs> learn from, from those. Others yeah, others' mistakes. So, quit hitting your head against the door jam. So, but, that, that, uh, that would be a decent tagline. Let's, let's, yeah. help, let's help everyone learn from, <laughs> learn from others' mistakes. I, I can't 
can't well, put my finger on it. Uh, I thought you were talking about quit hitting your head on the door jail. Quit so, hitting your head on the door uh, I mean, we can we can spin that up a bit. But any any recommendations, we'd love to hear. And we're going to be thinking about this over the next few weeks while we come up with a great, great sign-off tagline. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, until next time, man, it's been a blast. And thank you so much for listening. Thank you. We'll see you next Monday. Hey guys, Brian and Jonathan here. Today we want to tell you about one of our sister companies, the Birmingham Insurance Group. We all know to maximize cash flow and ROI, investors and property managers need an insurance broker who knows their business. Birmingham Insurance Group, aka BIG, does just that. They specialize in the single family residential rental market with customized products that really check all the boxes and they're at affordable rates. You have 24 seven online access where you can pay your bill, add or remove properties, issue certificates, and best of all, everything is on your schedule. Don't worry, they do business in all 50 states, so reach out to Richard Davis and the team to see what Big can do for you. Call them today at 205-616-1107 or online at bhaminsgroup.com. The songs Lobby Time, Retro Future Clean, and Rocket Power were created by Kevin McLeod of Incomputech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. Visit creativecommons.org licenses by 3.0 on the web.